0: Please stand for the reading of the Gospel. We read from John's Gospel, chapter 9, beginning at verse 1. As Jesus was passing by, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that God's works might be revealed in connection with him. I must do the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, Jesus spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and spread the mud on the man's eyes. Go, Jesus told him, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means send. So he went and washed and came back seeing. They brought this man who had been blind to the Pharisees. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees also asked him how he received his sight. He put mud on my eyes. The man told them, I washed and now I see. And some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. Others were saying, How can a sinful man work such miraculous signs? There was division among them. So they said to the blind man again, What do you say about him because he opened your eyes? The man replied, He is a prophet. They answered him, you were entirely born in sinfulness, yet you presumed to teach us, and they threw him out. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. When, they found him, when he found him, he asked, Do you believe in the Son of God? Who is he, sir? The man replied, That I may believe in him. Jesus answered, You have seen him, and he is the very one who is speaking with you. Then he said, Lord, I believe, and he knelt down and worshipped him. Jesus said, for judgment I came into this world in order that those who do not see will see and those who do see will become blind. This is the gospel of our Lord, we pray. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Dear fellow redeemed friends in Christ Jesus, who is the light of of the world, we've all heard the phrase, blind justice. It's that legal theory that because our legal system, our laws in our country forbid judges or jurors to to discriminate on a person based on any outward factor, their gender or their skin color or their religion or or any other external factor. They're forbidden to do that. It's the theory that therefore justice in our country is blind. It, It judges everyone equally. That's why if you ever see a picture of Lady Justice, she is often usually blindfolded. Now, we know the reality, don't we? We know that every judge and every juror is discriminatory on some level. That, that we all, if we were to serve as judges or jurors, we would, we would carry baggage with us into any trial that would, that would skew our judgment, that would shade us one way or the other. I think that's become very clear, especially in recent years. If you've been paying attention to any of the political ads that have been out there for the two uh, judges who are running for the open spot on the Supreme, Wisconsin Supreme Court, you can tell they're almost not even trying to put up a a front of being blind anymore. That they are, both of them, are, are basically coming out and saying, this is how I am going to judge a particular case. And you should pay close attention. I'm not going to tell you who you should vote for, but this is an important election. And it will determine a lot of what happens in this state for many years to come. Today's text is about blind justice, but it's not God who is blind. It's we who are blind. It's everyone else in the text who's blind besides Jesus. And we need him to open our eyes to see what in our world and in this text might otherwise seem to be total injustice. The idea that God is just being unfair to us. We need Jesus to open our eyes to see clearly. For example, in our text, in what universe is it just for a baby to be born blind? It's bad enough when someone becomes blind because of an injury or disease or age, but at least they had the opportunity to to see the world around them. A a baby never had that opportunity to see anything. In those days, there were no Braille books. There were no seeing-eye dogs. There was no social security. If you were born blind in those days, you had to rely completely on others to take care of you. The only thing he really could do was what this man did. He found a place where there were people walking by and he spent his time begging for their help. Is that justice that this man should have been blind for his whole life? The disciples thought it was just. They thought it was retributive justice, meaning that he was getting what he deserved. They, They said, Rabbi, who sinned this man? Or his parents that he was born blind. I think this is an interesting detail. So, already, if you read earlier in John's gospel, the disciples have already seen Jesus turn water into wine. They've seen him heal a girl who was dying, and they've seen him feed 5,000 people. And yet, there's no hint that they expect Jesus to do anything for this blind man. Why not? because they figured that he was getting what he deserved, or at least what his parents deserved. That idea that is so prevalent in our world today, we don't call it retributive justice usually in our common language. What do we call it? We call it karma. What goes around comes around. If you do good, you get good in return. If you do evil, you get evil in return. We even see it in, in uh, commercials these days, right? This whole concept of, of paying it forward, that if you pay someone's bill uh, behind you in the, in the drive through lane at the fast food restaurant, well, that's eventually going to come back for you, to you. Uh, it, it's a popular concept because it's intellectually simple. It doesn't require much thought. Put good in, get good out. Put bad in, get bad out. There's a catch, though, with karma. The catch is that sooner or later, reality blows up that entire concept, right? This concept that, well, if you don't smoke, you won't get lung cancer. Or if you are a careful driver, you won't get into any accidents. Or if you listen to your doctor and you diet and exercise like he says you should, then you won't have a heart attack or a stroke. And yet, reality is far different. Careful drivers do get into car accidents, even if they don't cause them. People who have never smoked a cigarette or a cigar or anything else in their entire lives do get lung cancer. People who diet and exercise religiously have strokes and heart attacks. So karma can't be the reason why things happen in our world. It can't be the controlling principle. So what else... What else is left? What else do people of our world uh, blame or or credit for for what happens in our lives? Well, there's fate, right? Fate or chance that everything in life seems to be just a big roll of the dice. Are you going to get cancer? Are you going to get in a car accident? Are you going to go broke? Are you going to have a stroke or a heart attack? Well, you might as well go to Las Vegas and roll the dice because nobody knows. Is that a good Governing principle. Would you take comfort in that, that knowing that it's just up to chance, it's just all dumb luck, that what happens in your life, no one is really in control of. It's just evolutionary theory that it's all chance, fate, and luck. Is that comforting? Well, Jesus has his own answer about why this happened to this man, why he was blind from birth. Listen again to it. It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that God's works might be revealed in connection with him. Is that a satisfactory answer? Would you accept that answer if it were being applied to you? Why why did I lose a loved one? Why do I have cancer? Why am I struggling financially? Why did I get in that car accident? Why? So that God's works could be revealed in you. Would you be satisfied with that answer? One thing is sure. Not many people saw Jesus as the light of the world in this miracle, right? I mean, on the one hand you have the Pharisees. The Pharisees are so blind. Can you can you put yourself in, in, in this situation, in this scenario? A man who had been blind his entire life now sees. And, and what are they bent on doing? Charging Jesus with breaking their man-made Sabbath laws. They had three strikes against him. He did work on the Sabbath day. He, uh, he made mud with his hands. Strike two. And then he, apply, or, and then he applied that mud to, to that man's eyes so that he could see. Strike three. How blind do you have to be? To see an amazing miracle like this, and all you want to do is press charges against the one who did it. The the Pharisees were absolutely blinded by the light. We didn't hear anything about this man's parents in the in the verses, the selected verses that we read. But if you read the rest of John chapter nine, they too are blinded by the light. The the Pharisees come to them and ask him, "Well, what happened here?" They, you know, they're pressing this aggressive investigation trying to find any eyewitness testimony against Jesus so that they can, you know, eventually want to kill him. His parents, want not, they know their son who had been born blind can now see and yet his parents' answer was, just leave us out of it. You guys can conduct your investigation. We're not going to say anything one way or the other and that's a very tempting thing for us to do too, isn't it? That... When things happen in our world or in our lives or the lives of people around us, and we say, "Well, well, God couldn't, if it's bad, God couldn't have caused that. God wouldn't allow anything bad to happen to your life, especially if you've been trying to be good. And we kind of say, just keep God out of it. Blame it on karma or chance or something. And we are often blinded by the light, still to this day, aren't we? When bad things happen in our lives and we don't see god's hand in it when we blame it on karma or chance or some poor life decision that we made we think it's unfair don't we and unjust that when we try our best to be good that we are punished in some way we think it's unjust that if you don't smoke that you should get cancer You think it's unjust that children die think it's unjust that some very good Christian couples struggle and maybe can never have children of their own. And we think, how in the world is this fair, Lord? These people are trying their best to be good and all that ends up happening in their lives is evil. And in those situations where, where we cry that God is unjust, He's unfair, we're the ones who are blind. We're the ones who cannot see. And we are the ones who need to be brought to a realization and to see the truth. The irony in this story is who, and we don't even hear that the disciples like, came to faith in Jesus as the light of the world in, in these verses, did we? Who's the only one who can see? The blind man. But when did he come to faith? When did he actually see Jesus as his Savior? It wasn't when Jesus opened his eyes. It wasn't after he went to the pool of Siloam and washed there and and he could see again. It wasn't until what? Jesus tracked him down and opened his eyes, opened the eyes of faith in his heart with his words. When only when Jesus said, I am He, the one you're talking to is the light of the world, is the Savior of sinners, only then did the blind man truly see. Did he see that Jesus was his Savior? Did he see the path open up for him that leads to heaven? And so the lesson for us then is that we shouldn't attempt to judge what God is up to based on. What we can see in our world or in our lives or what we can sense or what we can reason out or, or or some gut intuition. You will never be able to understand what God is up to in your life or anyone else's life if you're just using your eyes. In fact, it's interesting, you need to use your ears if anything is going to make sense in this world. You need to hear the Word of God and view everything through the lens of Scripture. And, and Scripture really is divided into two different words that the Lord has given to us. The law and the gospel. So if you want to understand the way things work in this world, you first have to understand the law. The law that says the wages of sin is death, which means that every single one of us has already earned eternal damnation by our sinfulness. You think of it, if God were truly fair in the sense that, you know, like a little child thinks of fairness, everything should be exactly equal. If, if, some, if, if your sibling gets two cookies, well, you better get two cookies too. If God operated on that principle of justice, shouldn't we all be, have been born blind? And we inherited Adam's sin. And we know what Adam and Eve used their eyes to do. They looked at that fruit that God said don't eat from. They lusted after it and then they took it and they ate it. And if we think we're any better than Adam and Eve in the way we use these eyes that do work for most of us, we would be very wrong, wouldn't we? We've used these eyes to lust and to envy and to covet. God would have been perfectly justified in striking all of us blind and sending us all immediately to hell, slamming down his gavel and saying, you're damned, you're hopeless, there's no chance of parole, you're going there forever, and there's no second chance. That would be justice, wouldn't it? Could we complain? Could we say that God was being unjust? Of course not. But God in his mercy gave us a second word. And he decided that he would execute his absolutely perfect justice in a a different way. That he would punish sinless Jesus for us, sinners. And I don't know what specific issue, pain, plague, you may be going through in your life right now, but it doesn't compare to what Jesus went through on our behalf. You know, going back to Isaiah, where the Lord foreshadowed that he would strike his own son blind, his servant blind, so that we could see. You Think of what happened in Jesus' life, especially during his passion. That's that's what we're doing during these midweek Lenten services, is walking again with Jesus to see exactly what he endured so that we could see him as a light of the world and be saved. Think of how That bloody sweat must have stung his eyes as he fell on his face before his father in heaven and pleaded with him, Lord, if there's any other way, take this cup of your wrath away from me. And the Lord said, no, this is the only way. Think of him standing on trial before the Sanhedrin and they blindfold him and they start to punch him in the face. And they mock him saying, prophesy Christ, who hit you? Think of how covered with our shame and our guilt and our sinfulness as Jesus was hanging there nailed to that cross and it was such an ugly sight, such a horrific sight that the sun stopped shining. The sun couldn't look at how awful our sins that Jesus was carrying were. And that's not even the worst part. When Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus, who never stopped believing, was treated like his father as an unbeliever, as all unbelievers eventually will. God turned his eyes away from his own son and disowned him for our sake. You want to talk about justice? Was that just? that Jesus who had never done anything wrong should be punished in our place should suffer the punishment of hell for us so is that just the only answer is well no there's a different word for it it's called grace it's called god a god of absolute justice executing his justice in a way where we be saved, where we would be spared the right punishment that we deserve. And only when you understand those two words of God, the law and the gospel, what we deserve and what Jesus did so that we wouldn't get what we deserve, can you really see the world? Can you really understand what God is doing in our world? And, And even then, it's not a perfect understanding. But think of it this way. Physically blind people can be saved, can go to heaven, can see Jesus as their savior, and eventually be saved. But if you're spiritually blind, that really affects your the way you see physical things too. You see, the the Pharisees are physically blind, and or were spiritually blind. And, and what did they see as Jesus performed this magnificent miracle of healing this man who had been blind from birth? They saw a criminal. How ridiculous is that? How blinded they were. But it still happens today with spiritually blinded people. They can't even see physical things right. So that when spiritually blind people, unbelievers, when they see uh, an infant or a child or an adult brought to the baptismal font, all they see is water. So that when they hear the words of of an obviously sinful man proclaim the absolution that your sins are forgiven for the sake of Christ, all they hear is some guy spewing some line to maybe make us feel a little bit better about ourselves. When spiritually blind people observe the, the sacrament of Holy Communion, all they see is a little bit of bread and a little bit of wine, and that's all that there is. Spiritually blind people look at the world and what happens in the world and they see the wars, they see banks closing down, they, they see sickness and cancer, they see death and they say that's just the luck of the draw or karma or a God who obviously hates us. But when you see Christ clearly and you see the law and the gospel clearly, then your eyes are truly opened. You see that in, at that baptismal font, God breathes life into an infant or a child or an adult who was born spiritually dead. When you hear the words of absolution from an obviously sinful man, you, you know Jesus' promise that whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, meaning that These words of absolution here are are not just for your ears here, but they are effective in heaven as well. You are not guilty before God. When you can see Christ and you receive the Lord's Supper, you know that it's not just bread and wine. It is your Savior's body and blood, which is the, the one medicine in this world that can grant you the one thing you need most, and that is eternal life. When you see Christ, you can see that even in the hard things of life, the struggles and the pains, God is working to reveal his glory through you. I don't know how that will always be. Maybe he will grant you relief and healing like he did to this blind man. Maybe he will grant you the strength to stand up under it so that you can confess to those around you that you know what, this may be bad, but it's not what I deserve for Jesus' sake. Or maybe he'll eventually call you out of this world to his side in heaven, which isn't that what we're all longing for? When we pray, deliver us from evil, that's the ultimate answer to that prayer, is to go home to heaven where there is no more evil or blindness or cancer or failing banks or whatever other problems we see in this world. But we can only see that when we see Christ. When we see that he came to bring blind justice into this world. That he came to suffer under God's justice so that we might be spared from it. And while he is a brilliant light in this world, he is the light of the world. He has come to blind those who think they can see better than him. But by God's grace to open our eyes to see the path to salvation through him. In his name, amen.